Welcome back to another episode of the Deer Gear Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Durr. Today, I am joined by Dorge Wong of Fireknock to talk about Aero Concept. We've covered this topic on the podcast a couple times, but we dedicated the entire podcast to the six-inch carbon tube that is in the front of the Exodus MMT arrows, what it does for the arrow, why we put it in, what happens if you extend that six inches, all about arrow concept and it is the way the exodus mmt arrows are built so if you've been on the fence about shooting the mmts or the new arrow that we have coming down the line wink wink this podcast is going to open up your eyes to why we are doing what we are doing with our arrow builds speaking of being on the fence if you have been thinking about trying the new exodus rival or the industry leading exodus render right now is a really great time for just a few more days the exodus upgrade program is still live all you have to do is go to the website exodusoutdoorgear.com place an order for any exodus render exodus rival or a sb18 bundle use the code upgrade when we get your order we'll send you a prepaid label send a trail camera back to us, whether it is a working camera, a non-working camera, anything that you have laying around, send it back to us and you'll get 25% off an Exodus camera. So right now is a great time to upgrade your trail camera game before mass deployment season comes. Take advantage of this guys, it's only here for a couple more days. With that being said, let's hop into the podcast. Welcome back. Another episode of the Deer Gear Podcast. Today, it's just me and Dorge, and we're going to talk about something um, a little bit more uh, casually than we've talked about it in the past. But today, we're going to talk about arrow concept. It's the way we build the Exodus MMT arrows and the new arrow coming out. It's the, the way Dorge gets the performance that he gets out of all his products. So, Dorge, let's talk about it. Yes. No, actually a lot of quite a few people call me and then they try to try to say, well, can I just use a like a few of this eighty pound guys say, Okay, I don't have a three I don't have a, a two fifty or two hundred spine shaft. I'm thirty two inch draw. Can I use a three hundred spine to actually do the job? How good will it perform and so on? Let me sort of get a few things straight. The arrow concept can it actually increase the spine of the shaft answer is absolutely yes but you step the way to get performance answer to that is a maybe because at the end of the day just like if you stiffen up the chassis of a car that is not meant for a very high torque can you make it work answer is yes but is it good that is it a better way than have a chassis that was designed for high torque answer is absolutely no because at the end of the day, your shaft is your is your fundamental background. In other words, that your skeleton. You need the skeleton to be strong enough to do the job without assistance. It's always not ideal to use structure to use a, a, a what do you call it additional structure to fix uh, the skeleton problem, and that's pretty much what it is, or framing problem. So in other words, as people say, can you possibly shoot a 300 spine with say two really long tube inside the arrow concept in order to reach the spine you want? Technical answer is yes. 
Do you want to do it? No. Because the weakest link becomes the sharp right in the middle. In other words, you're playing the game of weakest link. Behind the, behind the arrow concept. Right in the middle. In other words, arrow concept is on both ends. Now, of course, if you are doing a full sleeve, like the way I build my African big game shaft, just like you got a, uh, say, 300 spine shaft, then you put another shaft on front to back in it. That's a whole different story because now it is no longer uh, a supporting structure. It is now the structure itself. Mm. So before we get too deep into this, let me um, back up. So arrow concept is basically um, the CTI would be the term mm -hmm. for the product. So it's a, it's a carbon insert. It's a carbon tube. It's just basically another carbon shaft that goes inside either the front or the back of the arrow. Is it the front or both, correct? Like arrow concept one is the front, arrow concept two would be the front and back. Right, and then of course, you still have the next step to it. Yes, like the, like the Finox, uh, uh, called the Dragon Slayer. The Dragon Slayer is a, is a full shaft, the secondary shaft in the, in, in the first shaft, and then you can add the third shaft or the fourth shaft in the wow. front or the back. <laughs> it's and like it's like those uh the presents that people play jokes on you where they take a big box and they put a small box in it. You open the small box. There's another small box in it. It's just layers of of more tubes. Right, but that is uh that is those where the the uh it gets really tricky because see originally I thought you know a lot of people thinking I think I'm gonna you go back to fishing rods just like when fishing rods first come out they build a fishing rod they cut in the middle and then you put a Put, put a piece of aluminum furrow on both sides and then you just stick them together using hardware. I mean, if you're old enough like me, that's how fishing rod is built. Then we go to a stage, that fishing rod, when you cut a fishing rod, you put a furrow between the two, do that piece of carbon, that's thicker, so that you stick the two together. That go well for a short while, but it costs money to build that middle part. Then of course, the people like Gilu was come up with a sleeve which means that they build two separate tubes and one go on top of the other. So there's no need to build a furrow. But at the end of the day, that's not the ideal design because you're talking a thicker piece riding on a thinner piece. So company like Scott, which is one of one I consider a better fishing rod company, their furrow is made of three pieces of carbon, not one. In other words, imagine this, if your furrow is, uh, say the furrow is four inch long, they will have a piece of carbon that is three, three and a half inch inside the four inch, and the other piece that's one inch inside the three inch. What are they doing? They are trying to give a furrow that is extremely sturdy when the, when the force is the most, which is right in the middle. And then they slide it from each other. That is pretty much how I, I reverse the whole thing. And this is what arrow concept is but in the lowest term. In other words, I'm using one piece of carbon to control or assist the second piece of carbon when it mattered the most. Now, it mattered the most, this is where I think a lot of people misunderstood. They thinking I'm stiffening the shaft. That's not the word most people use. That's not the right way. I mean, yes, you are stiffening in form of structure, but the whole concept of carbon arrow compared to aluminum. Remember that in the old days, you can add a second sleeve to aluminum arrow. 
yes, that will work, but that's not what the intention is. The intention for the entire arrow concept is not stiffening the shaft, is to cancel the major parabolic action. Yeah. I know a lot of people haven't got it, but I'm trying my best. Again, I'm gonna use the same thing. From, from, a, from a, say a tuna to a macro, and me, most people, this is the best way to describe it. At the end of the day, a 300 spine shaft in the weakest point is a 300 spine shaft. If you put things on both ends, like, some, like in the traditional way of thinking, if we put weight in the front of the arrow, you theoretically make the spine behave like it's weaker. Now you're gonna put a carbon tube in the front of the shaft around six inch. Theoretically, the main shaft is gonna behave like it's weaker. Am I right? Because you added weight. Because you add weight. But you did not get that. The reason you didn't get that because just like the reason I, the, the, I put a six, six inch of CTI in most cases because you can actually glue a piece of six inch carbon using our, our final super slow set epoxy and be fully covered around 72 degree with no special equipment. That's the main reason. Now people say, what's, what's so big deal about the epoxy? Uh, let me refer, let me re explain how important the glue is. The arrow concept most important part is not the carbon tube, it's the glue. And a lot of people do not understand it. In the old days, first of all, sleeving a tube is not a new concept at all. It's not patentable because people have put a secondary tube, which is made of made of a steel, made of a polycarbonate, made of all kinds of plastic inside aero before. It's called sleeving. But that is not what aero concept is about. Aero concept is about changing the parabolic reaction of a shaft when it was being launched. That's what the big deal is. And stiffening the shaft <laughs> in some way is really not what aero concept is about. Aero concept is about changing, again, changing the behavior of the shaft when the arrow is being launched. So it's not necessarily physically stiffening the shaft. It's just giving it a behavior as if it were to be stiffer. Correct. But the thing they said, because we're using the glue and the shaft and location, the behavior, in other words, let, let, let's step back a tiny bit and come out and say, okay, in the arrow, say a 30 inch arrow being shot with the, we say with a 100 grain field points and the normal notch things and so on. How is the shaft gonna behave? I'm gonna use the, reverse tuna as the, as the visual image. The tuna is kissing the knock. The tuna's mouth is the knock. So where the fin of the tuna across, that's your node. So in other words, the, correct, where your error is supposed to be. A lot of people do not find that and do not care to find it with the new highlight off boat, they absolutely should. But this is where it get critical. But the moment 
the moment you launch the arrow, that tail, the cross section of that tail, which I call the X, the middle mark is where your arrow, your node is, and that way arrow rest should let, should be. The moment you add weight, imagine that X on the two angle left front and back is going to get larger, which means that the moment you got a broad head on it, it's going to catch wind. And then that means if you are not perfect on the node location, when you pull back the arrow on the arrow rest, it's gonna make your shooting much more easier to screw up. Especially your insert, your fuel point is not perfectly matched. On top of to make things even worse, if your broadhead on a two blade is not perfectly set uh, from firing at an eight to say 12 to six o'clock, that performance will significantly suffer because it's not flexing on the X. So how do we overcome it and make it a little bit better? Well, that's what my thinking process is. But the answer is not just a little bit, it's significant. So what happened is that the moment you put the tube in the front of the arrow, that angle of the X becomes significantly shallower. How much shallower? About 600% shallower. Let me give you an idea. If the flex just for normal condition, just to be ridiculous, it's gonna be 80 degrees front and back. Now it's gonna be under 12. Yeah, that's amazing. Now, when you think of 80 degree under 12, that's a 600% reduction. But what that really does is that at this moment, the angle on the, the angle between both sides of the tail, the cross section, where the node is, so what happened if you are, say in the old days, if you off by say an eighth of an inch, your arrow gonna jump off the arrow rest based on the no angle. Imagine you just draw 280, go draw, say make it 90, make it 90 degree X. You move from that point to one eighth of a degree, one, one eighth of an inch. You had already off by how much? Your arrow is launching height, it's called ghost look a quarter of an inch higher. That means the moment you launch your arrow unintentionally jumped off the arrow rest by a quarter of an inch. That's the launching difference. But with the arrow concept, because it's a 12 and a half degree, if you're off by an eighth of an inch, your launching difference is not over 10 thousands. That's how ridiculous it is. I mean, it's all geometry, but the moment I mean, people say, well, why? I don't, like, I don't like physics, I don't like math, I don't like, especially trigonometry and so on. But in this case, it is the math at play. There's no way around it. Is there a limit to, uh, we talked about it before, you said you can put an entire shaft in, but is there a point at which um, that shaft gets too long to where the, the epoxy can't act right? Uh, under no, no equipment assist, it's about seven and a half in worst case. That's the limit. That's no, that, that is with using the epoxy without assisting. The moment you raise the temperature, say to about a hundred degree, it'll flow a lot better, but your work time decreases. But in my cases, when I'm building say at the Africa big game shaft, I'm actually using a plug to plug the end of the shaft that I'm pulling in or with the insert. And I'm also doing nothing. I'm sucking that thing using a vacuum. 
using a diaphragm vacuum. The whole reason behind it is that we're dealing with what you would call layer separation. Because as, as you imagine, you put glue in it. As you push the tube in, the glue is gonna get less and less and less in the front. Eventually there's no glue. I say, well, the top tube is in the front. Yes, the tube is in the front, but let's focus on what you want the tube to do. The tube is not just to stiffen the shaft. The tube is to adhere to the big tube from front to back, 100% even. Can we be 100% even most of the time? I would say you do six inch answers, yes, as long as the temperature is not below 70 degrees, okay? It will give you that. The moment you, you go out of it, answer is no, you will not get it. So what's the big deal about the tube being adhered to the outside of the tube? I say, first of all, you stiffen it. Yes. You lower the angle. Yes. But now, because we're dealing with higher modular carbon, this is where the magic really comes up. That's the reason we see that behavior so significant in the 300 size, in a 246, and a 204, even down to 166. Because you, you're talking, hey, wait a minute, I'm increasing the wall thickness. Yes, you're increasing the wall thickness. So that section of the tube, on just like a fishing rod on the handle, it's gonna be stiffer. It's gonna bend less. It's gonna react less, but it's gonna be recover faster. The entire, arrow, words, the entire arrow will recover faster because of- All right, that. it is not just simply that section because you're actually changing the angle. Now imagine you just go ahead, use the same, same identical line, you draw a tuna, then you draw the macro. But this time the difference is that the tuna, the, bulb, the bulge is in the middle. But in the case of tuna, the bulge is actually moved backwards because the frontal area, the angle is shallower. Now what does that mean? I mean, yes, just that's on launch cycle only. That means we were talking, the initial launch when the arrow is being pushed from the back, the front of the broadhead, first of all, the broadhead behavior is gonna be less because instead of drawing that 80 to 90 degree, now we're dealing with 12 degree or even 10, depends on how much, how heavy the CTI is gonna be. But this is where the, when you do this, you get so much more. This is not where one plus 0.1 not equals to one, not equal to one minus 0.1 not equal to 0.9. Because we are only launching the initial launch, but the moment you pass the launch, the arrow will continue to flex, right? This is where the glue become the master. Remember, the, 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 it will take me a long time to come up with HUSSE. It is a, a glue that is originally developed by Hankel. It was a fantastic glue because it will never, ever, ever harden. You harden, after you harden, it still has about 40 to 60% flex in it hmm. in the normal room temperature. Now, what does that mean? Imagine you got a carbon on the outside and a carbon on the inside. These two carbon are gonna flex and vibrate. Remember, now we're talking what, what the, the arrow concept really is about. It's about canceling the vibration cross. But then, now remember vibration, there's multiple levels. First of all, we've got the basic parabolic action of the shaft. Which, which everybody's talking the flex between the tuna and the macro and so on, but there's a secondary flex to it, which is the especially high level of bow. You are talking the high frequency. Microflex. Correct. The microflex that is very short the, and the whole shaft. This is where 
a lot of people think that they control the microflex by putting heavy FOC because mass is a way to control microflex. But then mass is also a way to maintain the microflex. The moment you give to it, it's going to hold on to it. <laughs> now, this is where when you have two dissimilar material, because you, you may not you may remember that when I make the CTI, I insist on a significantly higher module. We're talking 37, 38 to 42 million module carbon compared to normal 28, 32 million module carbon. Why do I do that? Because the higher frequency will also give you an even higher frequency. They will generate one. So the, imagine the shaft is generating, say, for the heck of it, generating, say, say uh, two hertz. And the internal shaft is generating something like a three, three hertz. When you put a two hertz against a three hertz, what do you think is going to happen? It's going to be less than one left. It's more like a 0.5. So what happened to the frequency? It's canceled. It's like a suspension. So what happened, or, or, or just like uh, the my titanium C bomb and so on, the moment the high frequency hit it, it got absorbed because the two cancel each other. But what does, that, what does that mean to the shaft? That means the shaft do not need to take the energy it had and to overcome the high frequency. But the high frequency is not the only frequency. We also have the fundamental frequency, which is a parabolic action. But in case of, imagine you look at the picture of a tuna into picture of a macro, the another magnitude of the, of the parabolic action is significantly decreased. Now, based on all the tests that we did, and I can appreciate if anybody should like it, I can see your arrow will stop flexing or paraboliking, or the arrow go through a paradoxic action. In some of normal on the 246, about 18 yards, based on the 80% 80, 80 at all, that whole action is going to do that in about 10 to 12 feet. It's incredible. That's a that's a six hundred percent reduction. That's on a standard diameter shaft. Correct, and of course, uh, on the three hundred size shaft, we are moving in from a sixteen to something like a nine, on a on a seven and a half inch on a crossbow, because it, it's just when it first come out, when, when Dave was doing all the high speed video, it literally blew my mind. I said, "This cannot be real," <laughs> but the fact is that it does. And of course, uh, then we find out that the, the, the next thing we notice the penetration, the penetration of the arrow all of a sudden increased significantly. People say, wait a minute, I mean, you're adding weight, of course it's gonna penetrate better. That's only a very small part of the equation. First of all, the weight is not focused. I mean, the weight is beyond focus, sorry, I, I reversed the word. So what happened is that when the arrow, imagine this, we're talking, again, we go back to the original idea, uh, concept of the arrow was launched when the tip of the arrow is the tip of the tuna fin. Where is it pointing? Anything but front. But that is going to, so going to recover significantly because when you shoot a heavy FOC arrow, that part is going to slow down and maintain a very tight spin. Then the tail of the arrow is going to flex all over the place which is also why a lot of guys who shoot lighter knot, they're gonna see the lighter knot swing eight or 12 or 16 inch, depends on the FOC amount. The higher it is, the more it swing, because at the end of the day, you use a heavy FOC arrow, the arrow tail is gonna swing because the front with the mask is gonna be the master. 
But then the FO, the, the, the CTI, which is the arrow concept, is going to turn the whole thing on upside down on its head. First of all, it significantly reduced the entire flex, even that's way in the front, isn't it? Yeah, because it, it moves your center of gravity back. To, uh, yes, and you also added a certain weight to the front, but not focused like a few point is. Right. They put it backwards. Yep. So the entire angle is reduced, isn't it? Then, since it's reduced, and we also have frequency, cancel, frequency cancellation and oscillation reduction process, we also force the tail of the arrow to flex less. If the tail of the arrow is flex less, the angle of the vein towards where you're aiming is also reduced. Cross one signature. Also reduced. That means the vein is able to do what you need to do earlier. Yep. So instead of flapping in the wing like a like a flag, now you got wings that behave like wings. W i n g s. I mean, the thing is just getting better. I mean, it's just like <laughs> the moment you get it right, all of the things are following. I said, wait a minute, I'm getting this. I'm getting this. I'm now I'm gonna I'm gonna go down. Now imagine if your arrow is being as straight as possible, your broadhead is able to do the job, isn't it? Yep. Because it's again, it's like holding a knife. You want to cut something, you want to cut it straight, or you cut it with an angle. Answer: you cut it with an angle, you only mean to be slicing. You better be forcing. The force should always be on the back of the knife to the angle you want to push it, which is zero. The moment you are not zero, the force is, your vector is going to be off. And in this case, again, the arrow concept do something that I, I did not expect it to, but I found out it did. Is that it significantly allowed the broadhead to be straight? It's like if you want to drill straight and you apply the force at an angle to the back of your drill, your drill bit is not going to go in straight. It's going to go in an angle, and that's not what you want. Nope. Because the expression on a two blade, can you imagine pushing a two blade in at an angle? That arrow is going to flex the wrong way and in most cases canter to the point that's not penetrating anymore and that's now another thing of a lot of people say okay if i got a hundred grain in one point and a hundred grain spread over say a six inch space what's going to penetrate better this is the concept of a hammer and a drill or a better a long hammer and a bulge hammer now, anybody will understand in, into really precision force. Sometimes people make a hammer that's much longer in the head compared to a hammer that's smaller and rounder in the head. Do you know the difference? I don't know. The round hammer, the moment you hit it, you bounce back. The long hammer, you hit it, you bounce slower. Because the force of the entire piece is coming further, 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 like the way a train hits. Hmm. compared to a truck hit. That means if a train and a truck is the same identical weight, but the moment the truck hits, all the force is applied and come backwards. But in the case of, of a train, the moment it hits, after it hits, the rest of the material is keep on going to the same direction. That's where the, the, that's where the, uh, uh, the arrow concept come into play, really big deal. Because after it hits, the rest of the arrow is coming on towards it. And that's where I told most people, when you shoot a high let off bow, make sure if you want heavy weight, shoot a heavier shot. 
not a heavier broadhead. The worst to the, in today's world is that you buy an arrow of 500 grains, your shaft is 250 and your broadhead is 250. What you want is that you want a shaft to be 400 and that had to be 100. Yeah. Now, you, now, now you're not using the blade to do the job. In other words, you're trying to use a super sharp like scalpel with a force behind it instead of using a cleaver. I mean, say, oh, the cleaver is great. Yeah, the cleaver is great as long as you don't stick behind it. You've got to stick behind it. Yeah, so that round hammer is a 200-grain broadhead, and the long hammer is the CTI. Yes. So in other words, you're spreading the difference of the weight. I mean, in case of that, like, would you really want to go to uh, the true Africa big game and you want me to build one with a simple CTI, I would build you a 240, a 204 shaft of about 12 grain per inch. Then I will add eight to nine, eight grain per inch of CTI on the back of the front. Now you've got a long hammer. You can still use 100, I mean, 100, 125 broadhead will go through an elon. That's, yeah. that's impressive. Yeah. I mean, can you do that with the 300 green arrow answers? Uh, uh, theoretically, you can, but I would recommend it. <laughs> I was doing some testing uh, just a little bit um, mm-hmm. yesterday, actually. I'm getting ready for a 3D shoot this weekend. And, oh, good. Um, I have those 204 shafts that we've been working on. And so uh-huh. I, was, I was shooting those compared to the 204 shafts that I shot a couple years ago. And the, uh-huh. the 204 shaft that I shot a couple years ago was a uh, um, 250 spine, I want to say. It was a little bit heavier. came in at like 560 grains or something. And mm-hmm. um, obviously did not have aero concept in it. And then mm-hmm. the 204 shafts that um, we've been working on do have aero concept in them. So I was shooting yesterday. And I was like, well, I'm going to take one of these old ones out here just to see what the difference Mm -hmm. is. The pin gap alone was just like ridiculous. So um, that was kind of crazy. It was hard to even shoot the same target. So um, I got it dialed into where I could shoot both. I knew where to aim to hit in the same point. And the 204 shaft that I was shooting was 590 grains, 560 grains. The one that I am shooting now is uh, four, 418, 418 grains, maybe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, it was penetrating better than the 590 grain arrow. Yes, that's another thing. It's about Aeroflex on impact. Yeah. See, that's another thing people forgot. If you got an arrow that's really weak on the tail, the moment you hit the target, what's happened to the tail of the arrow? It flex left and right. And after that, what's the resulting force? Backwards. Yep. So just like you know, if you want to pull a tube out of the ground that you aim, you flex the tube, right? And what's what, what happened to the tube? The tube in some way come out. <laughs> so imagine after you impact, you flex the tube, usually jump out, not go forward. Now imagine the arrow concept in some way is like somebody sleeving that tube. In other words, like a plow driver. You're driving that pile with the arrow concept. So the weight of the arrow, again, is how much of the weight of the entire, the plow driver hammer you're using. 
Yeah. I mean, that's not a good way, but a lot of people do not know a power driver is a tubed hammer. That's what it is. And inherently, just because of the, the parabolic action of the arrow being reduced, you have mm-hmm. more you have more energy stored in that arrow to be pushed into that target. When well, the, actually, uh, the, the, the difference, again, you're not going to see that difference in the first 25 yards. I mean, just like when Rod White, the guy who won the gold medal and also the guy who's in charge of infinite archery, he did that in 2014 when he first intro- I introduced this. It's a absolutely a verifiable behavior of 8 to 12%. Yes, it sounds like a lot, but remember, you're gaining 8 to 12%. And in his case, on a 420 grain arrow, it's 38 feet per second at 60 yard difference. I vividly remember he told me that. You can absolutely call him. I mean, Rod, uh, Rod is a fantastic guy. Anybody who email him, text him, he will respond. Him, he's, he's don't do good on, on a phone call because he's a very busy person. But think about it. What do you have to do to have 38 feet per second difference at 60 yards? Oh, man. Overdraw, shoot a 100-pound bow, reduce your arrow weight by 200 grains. <laughs> like, it's stuff that's not possible. Correct, because at the end of the day, and most, and I mean, I got so many customers call me for the last three weeks because I think a lot of people are understanding titanium kits and so on. And they, again, they say, well, thought you know, the, 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 I'm, I'm putting titanium kit. Do any arrow contact? I say, you put a fantastic suspension on your car and you go ahead and put tires. Do you need to balance it? <laughs> Uh, answer is that anything you do, you improve. How much you want to improve? That pretty much is the end of it. I mean, can you do anything and stop there? Answer is yes, but how much are you willing to give up? I mean, of course, if you don't know, you're not giving up. But that's what this show is about. It's not, it's to educate. So people understand if they don't do what we said, this individual portion, what are they giving up? Yeah. And in the case of giving up here, like what are you giving up? Money. Money is the only thing you, you're giving up. So when you look at a 600% reduction in the parabolic activity for how much money? Like how much I more? Mean, is- the, the, correct. I mean, it's a matter of efficiency of using your fund. F-U-N-D. There, the, a lot of people didn't recognize. So I'm going to buy a certain, a certain expend, a spend amount of an artery. That's like everybody. We all have a budget. I mean, very few of us have unlimited. So let's just be frank. We're going to utilize the money we have on the more important things. Which I always tell people, if you've got a medium, not ultra high performance vehicle, the best thing you can do is change your suspension, get new tires. You're going to get performance out of the car. That's it. Optimize. Not really. But if that's what you want, you have to do something to tweak it. Sure. But in the case of archery, everything is a trick. In other words, people, what they call it, I would like to play. Tinker. Now, if you tinker, that's the word, tinker. <laughs> but you, but unfortunately, the archery industry since day one is technically tinker. Tinker is not a bad thing as long as you know what the fundamental principle is. But guess what? In archery, there's no such baseline. It doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah. There's too many variables. Well, people sort of pigeonhole into a 
what do you call it, drilling the, the bullhorn, as the Chinese would say. They forgot to see what is the bigger picture. And I think we, what I'm trying to do is put some guardrails on what people can do and what, the, what you do, what should you expect. I think that's a, a, a more important word than anything else I can think of. And at the end of the day, you want an arrow that's optimized to what you need. Yep. So in, in optimization um, and in arrow behavior, let's just, mm-hmm. for simplicity, let's just talk about, um, let's give some numbers to the, uh, what's the word? Um, how the arrow acts versus mm-hmm. the spine stiffness. So if you have a 350 spine arrow and you put mm-hmm. a three, or uh, you put a six inch CTI in the front of it, what mm-hmm. does that do to the behavior numerically of the spine? The launch of the arrow behavior. Remember that at the end of the day, you don't want to shoot arrow that's lower spine if there's no CTI in it. Because the weakest thing is still the weakest thing, which is in this, somewhere in the center. Yep. The, the entire, you should now think of the arrow behavior on the highest point of the parabolic action. Like you put a six inch CTR on the 246, based on the current modulation, on, on a, say, a, a, sim, a, a similar standard, say like GoTip, okay? Or a Carbon Express Maxima, or even the, say, the case of the uh, final spot weave. The basic calculation is six inch times 0.8. So you're looking at about 4.8 inches. That means that your arrow is going to behave like, say a 30 inch, it's going to behave like a 25 and a 25.2 to 25.5 inch arrow in flex on the maximum parabolic. But remember, you're still dealing with a 30 inch shot. Right. So you're in, in, in case of the parabolic action, it is actually, as I say, as significant as our 600% that the magnitude of the parabolic action is going to decrease initially by about at least half. But then as it flexes in the air, because of the, the harmonic cancellation process of what the CTI do to the main shaft, remember, we're only adding into the front, not to the back. So the bulge is still there, but the angle is significantly lower, which also means that your, your error rest on the node is more forgiving sure it takes it from now, a point on the arrow to an area correct because the angle become much less i mean very simple go and find a piece of paper and draw an x at 90 degree or 80 degree now draw another x both sides 12 and a half degree now measure it from one eight inch from the center you got your answer it's ridiculous it's really it's really ridiculous i mean that's what we are trying to do yeah. So does, um, I guess to circle back to that guy's initial question, does the spine chart become more forgiving with the CTI or should you still stick to like a typical Easton or gold tip spine chart? First of all, the spine chart as it is, is no longer valid. I mean, if you look back in the 19, early 1990s, 1992, 1993, you look at Eastern chart. What is the first thing? You got a chart and you got three more columns on the back. What's that three or four columns? Round wheel, hot, uh, uh, EC cam and hot cam. And then when you hot cam, you go with that 20 feet, 30 feet per second to it. What do you call a highlight off? An ultra hot cam. So yeah, what's that metric? Right, exactly. 
So that now in today's world, we don't have high cam, round cam, medium cam. Everybody and the cousin is an ultra high cam mm-hmm. because it's high level. Right. Which means that you add a whole lot more demand from the spine. So if you put that much more feet per second to the bow, and then you also add drawing to the bow because a lot of your customer happen to be, see, whether you notice or not, the average height of, of people in America have increased mm-hmm. for the last 40 years. Mm-hmm. And because of the foot abundance and so on, the average guy is also bigger. So everybody in cousin think that they should shoot 80 pounds, 85 pounds, whatever that is. And no matter how tall they have, they say, oh, no, I want that 80 pounds. Answer is no. <laughs> yeah. At the end of the day, you're still human. I mean, yeah, I know. I remember one of uh, my my good customer who's a bodybuilder. I think he's, he's I think he's the his bicep is larger than my thigh. <laughs> I mean, yes, he told me eighty pound is no way to it. Yes, I mean, if you're in that range, yes. I mean, even Arnold Schwarzenegger get older, his 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 bicep gets smaller too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and trust me. That anybody over 40, over 45, I would say stick with that 865 pound. It's much easier. With the today's bow, you don't need it. Uh, but that's the that's discussion for another day. But that what you really want the arrow to do is to harness the ability that it gives you. Yeah. It's always nothing wrong to shoot a heavier spine, but it's absolutely wrong if you're and it's absolutely wrong if your idea is to tighten the pin gap. No, oh, yeah, yeah, because you're going to get a heavier arrow. No, GPI. your chance, your your chance of screwing up is much higher. Sure. I mean, that's the reason in the old days they say archery anything under twenty five, you should not be a big deal. I'm twenty five yards because the pin gap is really not that big a deal for twenty five mm-hmm. yards. But if you notice, I mean, just like you shot the five hundred and the the old and the new arrow, even if, I mean, just for the fun of it, you should try to uh, match the weight in some way through a heavier product, even on the CTI, it will handle it. And you'll see the pin gap still there. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to try that out. Um, I want to talk about the, the spine chart real quick because uh, it was funny because Chad and I were just looking at this and I said so, I said that exact thing. I said, just because... Like we were trying to figure out what spine to put people in with the with the MMT arrows. And I was like, just because Gold Tip and Easton and Black Eagle have been doing this spine chart this way for so long, like why do we have to why do we have to match what they're doing? Because I feel like there's certain um thresholds on that spine chart that just don't really line up. For example, so when you look at those spine charts, they all say based off an IBO rating of 340. Right. If you go from, yes. Well, the, yeah, most of them are, no, most of them are 340 is the cutoff. Oh my gosh. Okay. Three, 340 is like what that spine chart is based off of. If you mm-hmm. have an IBO speed of 341 to 350, you add five pounds of draw weight to your setup. If you have 350 and above, you add 10 pounds of draw weight to your setup. Who, who now shooting a new bow gets a bow under 340 IBO? Not many. Right, but the, remember the 340 IBO, just like you reach that point, that is what the speed is. Right. But they did not tell you how they reach that speed. Right. 
that's an issue too. And then it doesn't tell you this, but most of those spine charts are based off of a brace height larger than six and a half. So if you have, if you you have Mm -hmm. a brace height six and a quarter or five and a half, you add 10 pounds of draw weight to the arrow. So mm-hmm. say you have, say you need a 350 spine and mm-hmm. based off of that chart and you're shooting 60 pounds, but your IBO speed is 342. Now you have to go to the 65 pound column and then your brace height is five and a half. Now you have to go to the 75 column. So like people aren't reading spine charts correctly because the information is off. So it's just interesting that you mentioned like it's not valid anymore anyway, because it's, it's just hard to really understand what spine you should be shooting. I, I would, I would, I would uh, reiterate what Rick McKinney, one of the, um, I would say the arrow, what I consider an arrow guru on a typical arrow. He understands spine more than anybody else, but he only understands the fundamental frequency of a spine. He's expert in that point and that point only. Anything beyond that part, it take me forever in the days to get it through to him because he can't think of changing that behavior because he knows exactly how the arrow behaves and what how important the spine is. That's the reason that people don't understand by changing the behavior of the arrow shaft, the whole spine chart shift back and forward. Yeah. And people don't understand. When you should say a Matthew C7 extreme is shooting at 330 feet per second, compared to say uh, a creed, a chill at 340 feet per second, that two arrow gonna behave totally different. Yep. And on top of that, remember that was another thing a lot of people are not familiar with. If your not travel of your bow is radical, you need the arrow to do a lot, a lot more. Oh, so yeah. a not well-tuned bow and a well-tuned bow, you will see the difference significantly at 40 yards and beyond. But then yeah. you got so many of the guys who so-called shooting the latest and the greatest. I mean, let me give you a typical setup. He's shooting a 73-pound Matthew with the 520 grain or 550 grain arrow with a 166. That's what a lot of so-called your your typical 18 to your 30-year-old guys. They think that is the absolute best, best arrow with the best penetration, best flight characteristic, because it do exactly what they expect the arrow to do until they put it on a chronograph and look at the pin gap. And they and most of them will never see that because they refuse to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't care. Look at look at how it penetrates. Well, in most cases, they they thought that it was penetrating well until they put the rage, put the iron wheel, uh, or put in uh, uh, some of the uh, uh, any long broadheads. I will tell you if they shoot that arrow at an angle over forty five. That penetration really sucked. Yeah, I still need to do yeah. that test. Well, actually, I guess I mean if if you talk if you talk to you, go go to the rage page of a Facebook page and go back <laughs> about five years, you will see those three inch penetration with eighty pound bow. Yes, you gave me right. 
a three-inch penetration with the range with the 80-pound bow. It's not the broadhead. It is not the arrow. It is not the bow. It's all of them combined with the way they shoot it. Yeah. And that number is not small. We're talking over. I mean, remember, when a hundred person walk into the woods and have archery that day, less than 10% come out with the deer. So in other words, just like the day we talk about, but this is not the arrow's fault. It is not the protest fault. It's not the bow's fault. It is not only the archer's fault. It's all their fault combined. Mm-hmm. That's something that really frustrated me to no end because I'm one of the people and I see the extreme environment. I mean, of course, I'm, go, I'm talking about the deer that I slept <laughs> Oh, gosh. I mean, I mean... And it happened, and I saw it. And I just still cannot believe my eyes. That's got to be the best thing that's ever happened to you. It, it is because just like when I when I was doing research when I was doing research back in cyclotron in the Blue Mini Indiana, I mean Tim Tim Allison said the best. If it if the result is not what you expected, you should be excited because you know what's going. You, because where there's excitement, because what you have learned have have just shown is bad end. So for the people who are using an ordinary arrow, heavy FOC, whatever, and it happened to them. And they say, well, it's a fluke. I will keep on and keep on. You're asking for it to repeat itself. Absolutely. And I think this is what this postcard is about. It's for, for, for other people to recognize how it can be better and how to approach it better. Because a lot of people, they figured that they just throw weight and time at it. I mean, yes, eventually you'll learn. But at the same time, the reason we go to school is that we do not want to learn it the hard way. We were told, don't do this. Just like, do you really want somebody to tell, want to try to hammer your head at the wall and it bleeds and crack your skull? You're going to be really suffering. You don't need to do that. I mean, somebody can told you that and. Of course, like if you keep on wanting to do it, nobody's going to stop you. I, will, I sure won't. <laughs> <laughs> but you know somebody had to do it. I understand they need a fruit. I mean, I just like a few customer. I still remember that. I don't care what you know. and I don't care what kind of academic you have. I know what I see. I said, good. Well, then you have no reason to talk to me. <laughs> you already know your answer. <laughs> yeah. And keep doing what you do. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's a, yeah, that's a good point. That's why we're here. That's why we're talking about this stuff and is to hopefully um, open some folks eyes to, to, to a better option, a better way to do some things and a way to get better performance. Yeah, let me, let me I, 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 for the last two weeks, I got a lot of people talk to me about why they, why they seems to feel a 204 seems to better than a 246. And I told them, no, the 204 is not better than 246. A 204 in some situation is better than a 246. And they, they keep on asking them, in what way in 246 is better? I say in construction, in, in ease of uh, building, and ease of maintaining, and so on. He say, isn't a thinner shaft in the case of a 204 better with the arrow concept? I say that depends on what shaft. Let me give you an extreme example. Uh, a Carbon Express Power Driver Extreme at the 204 is guaranteed to be worse than the 246 in the case of a go-tip. 
He said, no, it cannot be. It's so much heavier. It's so much better. It lasts longer. I say, well, look at the grain per inch. Look at the wall thickness overall. That 246 had the wall thicker than a gold tip. Two, 204 is thicker than a gold tip 246. Wow. Yes. Go and look at a power driver OD. That 204 power driver on the same spike is thicker, especially on the 300 spike, is thicker than a gold tip 246. Wow. So what does that mean? That means everything that we learn in two dynamics and parabolic action is not there. But then you say, how much, how come you behave reasonably well? Well, this is where material science again kicking into play. The power driver is majority fiberglass. Mm. The recovery is significantly slower, but so is the initial bend is also slower. That's the reason you got to wait. Then it is the time of a, you say, well, it penetrates so much better. Of course it does. It's a long hammer again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's where people looking at some behavior and just thinking that, then they go ahead and wait in the front on that uh, power driver extreme. That's not really bad now. Will the power driver extreme do a fantastic job? Of course it will, especially for, if you use the right sign, the 60 pound pool guys loved it. With the, with the aluminum insert, the arrow, because of reaction time, is significantly slower because it's fiberglass. You got so much more fiberglass in it because it's a heavy weight. Remember, weight is your friend if you know how to use it. Just like everything is your friend, as long as you know what you're looking for and you want them to do the work that they want to do. Yep. See, and people say, you're talking on both sides of your mouth again. I say, no, I'm not. You need to ask yourself, what do you want it to do? People say, well, just give me the best average arrow. I say, if you're an average hunter, first of all, let's define the word average. You see a 25 pound, a 25 yard guy shooting Midwest. Yes, you can pretty much do anything you want again. You, I mean, you can go to Walmart and then go to some arrow expert and build a $300 arrow. If you only shoot 25 yards, that's the end of it with any broadhead and you can point blanket answer them, they're all the same. <laughs> Here, save yourself some headache. Go to the website, exodusoutdoorgear.com and purchase some Exodus MMT arrows. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually that's not too far from the truth. And that's the reason when you first talked to me, I, you know, remember you asked me, should you shoot the 166, 204 and so on? I say, you can, but you're just giving your customer a whole, lot, a whole bunch of headache. And I take this out of the paper from Apple. You don't want to give people the extreme. You're going to give them what they can use with yep. the best technology. In other words, you hide the technology from them so they can execute it with the minimum effort. Sure. At times go on, just like, you know, I really believe it with, with the MMT going out for a year, a lot of your customers are reasonably well-educated. Now we up the, the performance chart a little bit. Mm -hmm. That's the reason when you guys were talking to me, about the possibility of building a very reasonable price to for. You know, I was, I was really reluctant, but I figured that you guys got one year in it. And for anybody who tried this, I would say stick with the 246 for another year to really understand the arrow behavior and the tuning of your bow. You got that thing all solidified, then you go with the 204. Yep. And yes, 
can you do the 166 answers? Absolutely, yes. But you're going to put so much effort, money. so much buildability, money, not, not just money, it's time. Mm -hmm. Because the tuning, it becomes even more critical. Yeah. So all of them, you, you start building it. This reason, I remember when uh, Jake, Jake Hofer, he got a good buddy who bought everything. 600 green arrows, the whole nine yard come to me. Oh God, it was funny. <laughs> His bow was so whacked out. When I finished with him, I gave him an arrow that was 390 green. I dropped about 200. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it was funny though. I mean, his arrow was literally touching the shell because it was flexing so badly. I mean, but this is what happened. And he told me he was ready to come in and spend 600 bucks to buy a, a dozen of magic arrows. I told him, I don't need to give you magic arrows. I was using his shaft. I take that. I take the the 125 green insert out. I take the 150 green bonnet out. I put in a simple, I don't even put arrow concept in it. I just simply uh, using the same shaft, I put a uh, fine outer system in it, just 32 green complete. And I say, you want performance? You really want performance on the bow? 85 to 100 green. He was looking at me that freaking, I got horns above my head. Yep. And I say, since you are here, you want to spend the money, I'll help you. I updated his bow with titanium kit, the whole deal. I, I didn't put arrow bump in it at that time because I didn't know he'd got the time. And I tuned his bow. His arrow rest now is in the middle. <laughs> Not all the way touching the shelf. <laughs> out of adjustment. Yes, he's out of adjustment. And when he shot that arrow at 20 yards towards the target, he had, first of all, the arrow had no sound. Second, the arrow penetrate, he never believed. And I say, shoot your arrow next to it. It didn't penetrate any deeper, actually penetrated less. Yes, from a 600 green arrow to a barely 400, the penetration is deeper because yeah. the arrow behaves straight. Remember, yeah. we're not talking arrow concept. There's no arrow concept in it. Which in other words, your front of center make the arrow behave worse. The arrow concept make the front of the arrow behave better. In other words, I will, I will conclude the entire thing again for most of the customers. The shaft of the arrow is the core. The arrow concept make that core behave better. But don't make the change of behavior as the core because then you miss the point. Yeah. You actually, in, you increase the possibility of the weakest link. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that's good on the arrow concept, George. Thanks for your time this morning. I uh, look forward to our conversations again. Again, guys, if you guys have any questions, make sure you're reaching out. George's email is always in the show notes. Uh, comment below on the video. If you guys have any questions, we always uh, look forward to hearing from folks. So until next week, we'll talk to you. All right. Have a wonderful one.